Hey, what's up, guys? Great show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. I'm your host, Quentin. We are doing our very rare midweek podcast recording. It is Wednesday, so we're going to get you some baseball talk right now. And uh, a lot of good stuff that went on this week, man. You know, um, we like Bryce Harper's return to D.C. There's some really weird baseball standings right now, and Josh Hader is pitching like a madman. Those are a few of the things we'll go over, but right now I kind of want to vent a little bit. Like, I think I want to vent, and I also want to apologize. So first and foremost, I'm in a fantasy baseball league, and it is through fan tracks with a bunch of just random people I don't even know that uh you know i met on twitter or whatever right so that sounds uh, very catfishy but you know uh no one's sending me any weird pictures and everything's good so far so the fantasy league's going good with the exception that like i'm not doing good currently i'm losing by like 150 points in this league and i felt like i picked a pretty good team so part of the reason i want to apologize is because i've probably jinxed a, a lot of teams and a lot of players out there. So, for example, Max Scherzer, he's put up pretty good numbers, but I believe he's 0-2 on the season. He's at least winless on the season, but I know both games he started, the Washington Nationals have lost, and he's on my fantasy team. So, I attribute the Nationals' sh- shitty start to me having Max Scherzer on my fantasy baseball team because I picked this great team and I'm like, I'm going to dominate, dude. And, you know, bad things are happening to me right now. You know, if if this league is going to, like, make the loser do anything embarrassing, I might as well shave my legs and get ready to stand in the intersection in my underwear because things are looking bad for me right now. I mean, I've got Max Scherzer who bombed. Justin Verlander had a start yesterday, bombed it, went like four innings. Scooter Jeanette's hurt. He's not playing baseball, so that's my fault. Jordan Hicks uh, gave up Blue a huge save the other day, like a three-run ninth inning to the Milwaukee Brewers. That's partially my fault. I think right now the St. Louis Cardinals are they're two and three on the year, which isn't bad, but I've got Hicks and Miller and Jose Martinez. Jose Martinez has me like negative points on the week, so that's probably really bad. So I just like want to ask you guys, man, like do you guys pick fantasy baseball teams and you think you've done really well with those fantasy baseball teams and then scoring happens and then you realize like you don't think you know anything about baseball? Like I'm beginning to wonder if maybe if I should take up soccer or if I should have a podcast on like veganism or something like that, you know, I might need to change like my whole outlook on life at this point because everything I knew has been turned upside down and I'm just not good at this. Like last year, I won my fantasy baseball league and I felt pretty good about myself, but I feel like that was just pure luck and I might as well just... I don't know, man. I might just shut this podcast down early and watch The Real Housewives of New York or something, you know, because I just don't really feel like I've got a future in baseball right now. It's really shitty, man. So I want to apologize to you if if you've got players on your team or your team in general sucks because I've probably jinxed them, man. I feel like I'm like a walking curse, you know, and that kind of leads to one of the things I want to talk about. It's like right now, Major League Baseball standings, dude, are super weird right now, man. The um, I don't know if, if anyone watched the Braves-Cubs game from Monday. It, it was the strangest thing ever. You know, the Cubs were so bad, they made like a baker's dozen 
worth of errors. It was just like it's like the Cubs played so bad. It was like I I think they might have been throwing the game. Like someone right now on the Chicago Cubs is like in heavy gambling debt. And like Theo, I could see Theo Epstein right now, man. He's like, he's an East Coast guy, dude, went to an Ivy League school. We know he's a partier. And I just wonder if someone out there is like this close to busting Theo Epstein's legs. So he's like, you got to lose this fucking game, man. And I'll pay you really good because I can't explain how they did so bad. The errors, the errors in the Cubs game by the Chicago Cubs, it was like on Space Jam where the Monstars steal like Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues like ability to play basketball. So like Charles Barkley goes to like the grade school basketball court and just makes a fool of himself because he has no skill. That was exactly what it was like watching the Chicago Cubs. It was like Space Jam. They just didn't have anything. Javi Baez like couldn't catch a fly ball. Mark Zagunas couldn't catch a fly ball. Guys weren't catching fly balls. On tonight's game, Wednesday night's game, the very first play of the game in center field, Jason Hayward fielded a ground ball to center field. There's going to be a routine single, and it just goes through his legs. Aliens somewhere have done this, man. It's just creepy. So the Cubs are one and three right now, and they're playing the Braves right now, who are also one and three, which is super strange because these guys are supposed to be some National League powerhouses. And you know, when you go through the divisions, like the Milwaukee Brewers are six and one. Like, I guess that's not too surprising, but the Cubs are a one win team. The Cardinals have only won two games right now. Those are all really weird things. Um, out in the NL West, like the Padres are four and three, which is surprising to a lot of people. But you know, like I talked about on the last podcast, man, their uh, their young pitching is really holding up. I think Manny Machado hit his first home run as a Padre today, and then Joey Lucchese had his second start of the season today, went another five innings and gave up zero earned runs. Huge, huge momentum building in San Diego with that starting pitching, and obviously with the offense too, because. A lot of guys are going to come into their own, and they also uh, made a $300 million statement with Manny Machado. Um, otherwise, super, super strange things going on in the American League right now. And I think maybe the strangest, but also the one thing that fills me with so much love and joy is when I look at the American League East, and I'll see the Tampa Bay Rays at 5-2. and two. And I love that the Tampa Bay Rays right now are 5-2. and two. They've got a relief pitcher named Jose Alvarado, who I've been watching since last year, but made some news today. So if you go to uh, my social media page, so you can go to The Greatest Show on Dirt on Facebook or Instagram. And Jose Alvarado today was bringing super heat. The Tampa Bay Rays, they... I think they might have lost today. I don't really, or I don't even know if they played today, to be honest with you. But no, they played today. Um, I'll tell you if the Tampa Bay Rays won tonight or not. I know Tampa Bay Rays are five and two, and they've only played home games so far, and they're five and two at home. So today, if my internet will run any slower than what it is, okay. So the Rockies beat the Tampa Bay Rays one to nothing, right? And all in all, Tampa Bay Rays, they've seen really good starting pitching come out. Charlie Morton came in today 
who signed a two million or two year thirty million dollar contract in the offseason. And Charlie Morton was a steal of a deal. I am not too sure why more teams weren't gunning after this guy because he only wanted a two year contract because he only wants to pitch two more years and he's so valuable for what he's gonna give. He went a cool six innings on eighty eight pitches today and he's still throwing ninety six miles an hour, only walked two guys, only gave up four hits. So his walks and hits, you know, he came out today and allowed one base runner per inning. And that's something you can't complain about. You know, he set his team up for success, but it was Jose Alvarado that came in and pitched the eighth. And he was throwing about 99 today. And he was throwing pitches like a Frisbee, man. Get you, I, I love to tell people that listen to this show because baseball is such a regional, uh, regional sport, right? We watch our home teams for years. The only teams I ever watched were the Chicago Cubs because I'm a Cubs fan, but also I watched a ton of Atlanta Braves because growing up, I had WGN and then I had TBS, right? Those were my stations. And as I get older and I've started this baseball podcast just for fun, I don't make any money off of it. I just want to talk baseball and I want people to talk to me on social media, right? This is fun stuff. I don't need money for this stuff. I could talk baseball for free all day. Maybe I'll be rich one day. Probably not. I love ramen noodles. Does it really matter? Pork's my flavor. But check it, dude. Um, what the hell was I going? Oh, dude. So, like, I like to tell people because I have no life and just watch a ton of baseball. Like, what good stuff is out there that might not be your regional team? And the Tampa Bay Rays, I'm super excited about not only that they're in first place right now because of the pitching they're bringing. They had a guy named Chirino's. Chirinos, I think that was his last name, pitch yesterday, I think, and threw seven innings of one-hit baseball. Unbelievably impressive. And so Tampa Bay, between like their starters and their relievers, and just with Tampa Bay, they might be the smartest franchise in all of baseball as far as how they... How they play their players, how they use data, but I think also how they use their gut instincts to really win baseball games. And it's just so exciting what they're doing. And huge storyline in the AL East right now is the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays are in first place and then the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, they're the two last place teams in this division right now. And the reason why that makes me so happy is because I think I'm sick on the inside, so I like to see people, teams that are supposed to succeed, not succeed, and so the fact that the Yankees are two and four and are getting beat around by the Detroit Tigers, like, I don't mind it, or, like, the Boston Red Sox, like, sort of getting beaten around by, like, the Oakland Athletics, like, I'm okay with that, like, you lost, like, Last night, the Red Sox lost to the Athletics one to nothing in a Chris Sale start. And I'm like, that's great because you have Chris Sale and he only gave up one run. But somehow you got outdueled by Mike Fires on the other end of that. But also, like, I'm not completely heartless on the inside. You know, I do love to see good teams fail. So trust me. But that's because I'm a Cubs fan. I have nothing to live for but to drink beer and laugh at your team that's losing right now, right? Like all like huge talk on Twitter, dude, among like Cubs faithful has just been like, oh, this is gonna be a long season. Cubs pitching sucks, this and that. And I'm looking at these people going, I know you're all bandwagon fans. That's what I'm thinking in my head, because if you're a lifelong Cubs fan, the fact that the Cubs sucked ass on Monday and gave up seven errors and they're one and three on the season. 
if you say you're a Chicago Cubs fan, but you're complaining about that, then you're a bandwagon fan. Listen, I bordered on alcoholism when I was 15, right? Because the Cubs have always sucked. You learn to deal with this, dude. Like, listen, listen to me right now. What happens, right? If you're doing the dishes, you get a sponge and you put water on the sponge and soap on the sponge and it, it soaks up the cleaning to where you clean your you clean your pots and pans and plates and forks, right? Well, I watch Cubs baseball and Cubs baseball is dirty. It's no good. So I'm the sponge and I fill myself with old style beer, hams beer, really just any alcoholic beverage I can get my hands on. And guess what? Cleans everything up. It makes it happy. So like, dude, if you're complaining about the Cubs sucking, please stop, man. Either start drinking beer or just go back and like jump on the next bandwagon because we don't have any time for you. But yeah, I'm a sicko and I love to see good teams do bad because welcome to my world, right? Like Mike Tyson said to a reporter one time, Mike Tyson, I kid you not, he looks a reporter dead in the eyes and he goes, I wish you had a son so I could kick him in the balls so you could know how I feel every day. And that's what I feel like being a Cubs fan. Like, I just want to kick people in the balls and laugh at him because their team sucks. But also, it is great and super fun. And it makes for some of the best competition just to see the underdog do good. And right now, obviously, small sample size, but you've got the Tampa Rays in first place. The Baltimore Orioles are in second place in the AL East. Let's enjoy this for a little bit. We got underdogs doing good. But then when you go to the AL Central, who's in first place? The Minnesota Twins and Rocco Baldelli. Yes, man. Yes, the Twins, dude. Jose Barrios, man, is their number one ace. He had a really good start the other day, man. Super impressive. And they've got another starter on that team that's pretty good. And I swear the guy's name's like Kyle Gibson or something. He pitched uh, some last season. I don't really remember who their number two starters. I don't know much about the Twins. But the AL Central, dude, is sort of like the bad news bears of Major League Baseball. It's like all the teams sort of suck. The Cleveland Indians, for sure, aren't what they used to be. But, you know, they'll, they'll probably win the division because, dude, my my American League Cy Young pick on that division, Trevor Bauer, is going to pitch good this season. And then you have um, Corey, um, not Corey Knable. Who's there? Listen, I forget names when I'm recording a podcast. Corey Kluber. I mean, Corey Kluber is Corey Kluber, right? Kyle Gibson is a starting pitcher for um, the Minnesota Twins. And actually, Jake Odorizzi He's their third starter, and they picked up Jake Odorizzi in a trade from the Tampa Bay Rays, I think, last year. might have been the year before. It was a year before, actually. So it was in the offseason before the 2018 season that the Twins traded for Jake Odorizzi. It was when the Rays were moving some contracts around. And between him and Big Mike Pineda, who was a New York Yankee in 2017 and then had to have Tommy John surgery. There are some starters on this Minnesota Twins team that can do damage, and plus you get a manager in Rocco Baldelli who's this young guy who I think can relate to the players really good, and it's sort of like the Minnesota Twins might have a similar situation to the Tampa Bay Rays to where the mindset in the clubhouse is so right 
that you might see guys play beyond what they usually do because of the foundation in the clubhouse. And I, I wholeheartedly believe in that 100%. And I think that's part of the reason why the Cubs are playing so bad right now because I do believe that the Cubs have a lot of talent, but their clubhouse is like a strip club at 2 a.m. when you're trying to get everybody out of the place, and it's just like mass chaos anarchy, and they're like people drunk and screaming at each other, and communication is just really bad when you leave a strip club at 2 a.m., and that's sort of like the Chicago Cubs clubhouse. But this clubhouse dynamic, obviously, I think is it's a product of Tampa Bay's success. Tampa Bay has good players, mind you, but their clubhouse is in so much better health than so many other clubhouses. And I think maybe that might be starting to brew in Minnesota with the culture that they're building. And also, another player to watch if you ever watch a Minnesota Twins game, uh, Williams Astudillo. I know I mispronounced his name, but he's a Venezuelan catcher. He might be the funnest Major League Baseball player to watch, right? Like, if you were... Like, Andrew McCutcheon's the funniest baseball player in the league, right? Like, when he told the story about the guy crop dusting him in the elevator, if you haven't seen it, YouTube it. It's one of the best videos ever. And if you were to embody that crop dusting story where some rando dude farted on Andrew McCutcheon and take that story and create a baseball player with that story, it would be Williams Astudillo. Yeah, right? That's him, dude. He's a stud, and he's just real fun to watch. But keep an eye on the Twins, man. You know, they're up in the NL, NL, uh, the AL Central right now, so that's pretty rad stuff. You got the Mariners at 7-1. at one. Tim Beckham's just hitting home runs left and right. They got Domingo Santana from the Milwaukee Brewers, who didn't play last year because he just sort of got boxed out with guys that they have. But Seattle could have a legit team. Dude, and plus Seattle, man. Seattle has a pitcher. I'm going to bring it up, dude. I think the guy's name's Marco Gonzalez. And right now, Marco is 3-0 on the season. He pitched today, I think. I'm about to tell you when he pitched. He either pitched today, Wednesday, or yesterday, Tuesday. He pitched yesterday, which was Tuesday. And he threw 8 and a third. In versus the Los Angeles Angels, who have Mike Trout, mind you. He only allowed four hits in one earned run, only walked one guy, and only struck out three guys. So it's kind of telling me he's pitching the contact, right? And when I look at that eight and one-third inning pitched, he only threw 100 pitches. So it seems to be he's working super efficient. And then his start in Japan was six innings, three earned in a win, and he only struck out four guys and only threw 69 pitches. And then his March 28th start against the Bo Sox was six and a third at three earned and only 94 pitches. So it's sort of weird how these things happen. And it's very interesting to see in baseball when you see a team kind of sell off and then the next season they somehow play good. Like when the Tampa Bay Rays were getting rid of like Chris Archer. And I think they got rid of Steven Souza Jr., Logan Morrison, Corey Dickerson, guys like that, you say to yourself, well, this team's just going to suck and they don't really want to win, but then they they have more players that come up and fill those voids. And I wonder like if that's going to happen with Seattle too. And now I find myself comparing up-and-coming teams to the Tampa Bay Rays. And I mean, that's obviously a huge compliment. But interesting things happen in Seattle, man. It's good to see Tim Beckham, a former first-round number one overall pick. You know, he's out there with D. Gordon, man, and those guys are having fun. 
playing baseball, dude. I saw him on an interview the other day on MLB Network during like intentional talk. Dude, they're just laughing and having a blast, man. Right now, Seattle, dude, is is just a, a fun team to watch right now. So keep an eye on those guys for sure. You know, we'll sort of see how that AL West is going to shake down. I don't know that there's really any doubt in my mind that the Houston Astros won't win that division. But one thing I've learned in this, baseball, weird stuff can happen. Baseball is the Bermuda Triangle, right? It giveth and it taketh away for you to never be found again. And that happens sometimes with teams, right? You run into like a Washington National situation of just last year where on paper, they look like they win 105 games and go to the World Series, but they weren't even above 500 and didn't make the playoffs. Strange times, dude. And oh, crap. Listen to this. One other thing. Dudes, do me a favor. And I'm not even kidding when I say this. Watch a Miami Marlins game, okay? Watch a Miami Marlins game. And if you catch a Miami Marlins game, do it when a guy named Sandy Alcantara is pitching. He's a 23-year-old righty. He can he can hit about 98, I believe, is the hardest he threw. I watched his start. Man, it wasn't yesterday, but I think it was Monday. Oh, it might have been Sunday, actually. And it was his first start of the season against the Rockies. Now, the Rockies obviously have big bats, dude. You got Charlie Blackman, uh, Nolan Arenado, ever heard of him? I think Trevor Story is healthy and playing right now, dude. They got bats in the lineup. And Sandy Alcantara is a guy that the Marlins picked up from the St. Louis Cardinals in the Marcelo Zuna trade. And he just pranced out and threw eight innings. 92 pitches, gave up four hits and no runs, and didn't walk a soul, and only struck out six guys. So I see the eight innings and 92 pitches, and I'm looking at another pitcher that can pitch to contact, which is a good thing because he can get through the order efficiently. He won't be through the order three times by the fourth inning, and he's he's because he's pitching efficiently, he can maximize his ability to face these guys, and maybe he'll see him three times through the lineup. Maybe not until, I mean, in this case, like the eighth inning possibly, right? Uh, and you sort of save your bullpen. And plus to be able to pitch to this sort of thing, it, it keeps a pitcher fresh. He's not out there a lot in each inning that he's in, so he's going to stay fresh and all in all. You get a really good performance from these guys, and I'm always excited to see pitchers that can pitch to contact, and I really do hope that becomes a trend because, to me, part of what makes baseball so fun are the pitching matchups, and there's, I, I love baseball how it is, right, and you look at like pitching changes and this and that, and if a starter only goes five, there's more to pitching or there's more to baseball than just the pitching matchup. But to, to get a good pitching matchup to me is very Tombstone, Doc Holliday, Johnny Ringo, like this duel to the finish, and nothing beats it, right? I always think of World Series Game 7 in 1992 when John Smoltz and Jack Morris faced each other, and it's like, dude, this is a Wild West duel, and I love every minute of it. So anytime I see a starter pitch for a long time and keep a low pitch count. I'm always more excited that this might become a trend because like Max Scherzer, you know, he lost 
his first start of the season on opening day, and it was against the Mets and Jacob DeGrom. Okay, Jacob DeGrom might be a T-1000 Terminator brought back from the future to destroy all hitters and kill their morale, right? So, like, Max Scherzer losing to Jacob DeGrom, like, I'm okay with that, right? NBD. It's Jacob DeGrom. Like, everyone's going to lose to Jacob DeGrom. Like, just swallow your soul, bury your insecurities deep down, and never talk about these things again, right? You're going to be a loser today, son. But then Max Scherzer's second start of the season, right? It's a Zach Eflin start. He's going against Zach Eflin. And Zach Eflin is an up-and-coming pitcher for the Phillies. So he looks like right now he could be Aaron Nola's Robin and be the number two in that situation because he had a phenomenal start against the Washington Nationals. I think he might have went six innings, didn't give up a run, and maybe just allowed like three or four hits. It was an unbelievable start, but... Max Scherzer's start in that game, which, again, his second start of the season against the Philadelphia Phillies, actually last, that was last night's game, the Bryce Harper game coming back to D.C. Max Scherzer, he gave up, I want to say two runs, and they might have both been home runs, but because he he's, he's not a contact pitcher guy where frequently he'll go eight innings and only throw 80 pitches, right? He's never going to give you a Maddox. But Max Scherzer got pulled after five innings last night because his pitch count was so high because he he's not a guy that's going to pitch to contact. He's a strikeout guy, but he was having a hard time striking guys out. There were a lot of foul balls. And Max Scherzer is a great pitcher, right? And I guess what I'm saying is, is I'm not here saying Max, Max Scherzer could be better. No, Max Scherzer is great. And his five-inning start of a high pitch count, for Max, that doesn't happen a whole lot. But when you get these young guys that come through the minors and get to the majors, right, they're not all Max Scherzers, right? In that Max Scherzer category, right now in Major League Baseball, which is basically an old guy who's tough as nails that does things that physically he's not supposed to be able to do. It's almost like these the guys that are Nolan Ryan-esque. So really, your benchmark is Nolan Ryan. And guys that sort of fit into that Nolan Ryan category of like tough, ageless dudes who can just throw as hard as they can for as long as they can. Right now in Major League Baseball, you've got Verlander, you've got Max Scherzer, and I believe you've got Trevor Bauer. Those are about the three guys, might be the only three, but I'm just shooting from the hip right now recording this podcast. This is a midweek improv podcast. I have no notes. I just talk. That's what this podcast is right now. So if it sucks, it's because I didn't prepare. So you're welcome. And I worry that these young pitchers are going to come up. And all that's happening with them is they come up and then they get Tommy John surgery. And then they come back and maybe have two or three good years. And then they're done. Case in point, Hunter Green. I'm not saying Hunter Green's not going to come back 100%, but it was announced, I think, the day before yesterday that he has to have Tommy John surgery. I'm like, well, no shit. Like, they should have just drafted him and given him immediate Tommy John surgery because he throws 102 miles an hour. And, like, that's just what's going to happen. And also, Jordan Hicks, right? I love Jordan Hicks as a pitcher, but. And he can throw 105 miles an hour, which is really cool. But so Christian Yelich got a game-winning hit off of him two days ago, I believe is when it was, and Jordan Hicks in a blown save opportunity. Or it might have not actually been a save opportunity. It might have just been a loss because I think Jordan came in in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. He gave up 
a three runs that inning and the game-winning double was Christian Yelich lining to just left of center field, 102-mile-an-hour pitch. And what's happening is, like, you got a guy like Jordan Hicks, for the speed that he throws anywhere between 100 and 105 really consistently, his strikeout rate is nowhere near what Aroldis Chapman's was in his prime or anywhere near what Josh Hader's is. And Josh Hader throws about 10 miles, 8 miles, realistically 8 miles slower than what Jordan Hicks does. My point that I'm trying to make is this. I would like to see the trend for young pitchers steer a little way from straight velo and more so like the artistic ability of pitching, like the Maddox, like the pitching to contact, like really spinning the ball and forcing ground balls and pop-ups because I think that will give us healthier pitchers in Major League Baseball, and then I think that will give us more star pitchers, and then I think long-term you'll have teams that are developing pitchers that can last for 10 and 12 years and build really good careers and be players that teams can really fall back on because right now there aren't really a lot of star pitchers in Major League Baseball. So we get guys that come and go, but star pitchers in baseball, I feel like historically we've had more star pitchers than what we do now. And realistically, the arms aren't holding up right now. And guys are going in for Tommy John, thoracic outlet. I mean, pitchers are tearing lat muscles. They're tearing lat muscles. That's like what bodybuilders probably tear. Like, that is crazy. Like, how you how the hell do you tear a lat muscle? Like, I think maybe I use my lat when I open the fridge to eat more jello chocolate pudding, which I absolutely love. But otherwise, like, dude, you got to be throwing hard to use a lat muscle because that's a back muscle. Like, if you were doing pull-ups, you would use your lats. But these pitchers these days, man, they're muscular, they're big, and they, they throw with a lot of power. But Sandy Alcantara, man, a Marlins starting pitcher. Watch the dude, man, and... I think I really believe that I know the Marlins are basically the um, urinal cake, <laughs> right? When you're at the bar drinking, like that's the Marlins right now. But I do believe really, and Derek Jeter caught a lot of shit with all his sell-offs and maybe he wasn't making trades that were up to market value. But I honestly have faith in Derek Jeter in the Miami Marlins organization. And I do believe they're going to turn it around. Miami, I'm going to Marlins Park to watch the Marlins and the Mets in May, and I think they'll turn this thing around, man. I talked to a guy that I work with yesterday, and he was just talking about the Spanish community in that area and how they're huge baseball fans, and, you know, I do think that the rebuilding method that kind of like these teams do, where they cut everything down and then rebuild from the ground up. You can't argue it, right? That, that works. It might not look pretty, and some people might not agree with it, but it works. And when you've got small market teams that can't really afford much, you've got to do that. You know, you've got to strip it down and essentially tank and rebuild, if you want to use that term about it. And I don't think that tanking is going to be something that's going to happen with teams a lot. So, for example, the Cubs tanked. But I don't I don't see that likely to happen again for a very long time because they've built a good foundation. It's essentially what you've got to do if you're, like, no different than rebuilding a business. We have to rebrand the thing. You have to tear it down because new ownership comes in. And baseball is in this state of flux where the game is changing. Players are getting paid younger now. 
as opposed to getting paid when they're older. You know, steroids aren't as rampant in the game of baseball right now. So guys are starting their decline in their low 30s as opposed to their high 30s. So this tanking thing, I don't think it's anything we'll really have to worry about long term. I just think the game is in a transition. I think the game is cycling off of steroids and now getting to the point where they're starting to pay the younger players when the collective bargaining agreement comes up. I truly don't believe baseball will go on strike. I think they'll find a way. I think baseball's got the money. I think they'll take care of their players. And I do believe from a business side that the Players Union and Rob Manfred know that a strike would be very detrimental to the game of baseball right now. And I do think it's like teams kind of sort of have to tank once. And then when they do, you know, they can kind of ride that rebuild to sort of maintain everything. And I know that probably won't always be the case. I know the the Kansas City Royals are rebuilding. The San Francisco Giants are going to have to rebuild. But a lot of times those things don't take as long as what you would think. In my opinion, I think the Marlins could be... They could be a competitive team, you know, maybe here in another couple years possibly. I really do. And I also do see, I think, what's happening in baseball is players are getting called up when they're younger because executives know that in their 30s they are going to drop off. And it's great to see young dudes like Fernando Tatis Jr. He's 20. And then you got Acuna and Soto and Robles and all these young dudes coming up. Man, I think it's going to be great for baseball. And just this little transition of like tanking and weird payroll stuff. Honestly, I think it's just a little bit of window of like, honestly, baseball just coming off of steroids and sort of having to work everything over. And I know that the steroid era was quite some time ago, but hey man, you know, when you, when you're talking about a multi-billion dollar entity and all of these teams that sign all these long-term contracts, a transition to the next era, quite honestly, is going to take a while. So that's, um, that's kind of what I look at with that. Anything else I have? Oh, I guess, honestly, dude, we got to talk about Bryce Harper. So Bryce Harper, holy crap, dude. Listen, so Bryce Harper, he went back to Washington, D.C. yesterday to play the Washington Nationals. Holy shit, man, what a wild ride. So the day, so Tuesday day, he writes a letter and he posts it on his Instagram. And it's just him thanking the Washington National fans, what it meant to play there, how he admittedly was like, I bet I'll get a few boos, but I'll never forget like the cheers and the moments we had. So thank you, DC. It was a really heartfelt letter to the point where like, no matter how much of a hard ass you are, where you're like, Bryce Harper sucks because he left my favorite team, you would be like, I understand why, because nobody in their right mind is going to turn down $330 million. And yes, the Washington Nationals offered him 10 years at $300 million, but it was a heavily deferred contract to the point where he wasn't going to get paid all of his money until he was about 65 years old. And simply put, he probably just didn't want to do that. And I get it. You know, if you have the chance to make $330 million like right now and have a 13-year security, you sort of do it because, yeah, I mean, we're humans. And, I mean, dude, like, Listen, like, I'll punch a friend in the face for 10 bucks. Like, I don't really care, man. I'm a sellout. Like, I'll pretty much, I'll streak down my road right now naked for um, a turkey tom at Jimmy John's. Like, you don't have to give me money, man. Just give me food, dude. So, like, $330 million. There's not a person on the earth that would be like, nah, man, I'll kind of just take this lower contract because this is what I know. No, and plus, 
Listen, man, when you're 26, like you want to experience new stuff. I love to move. I'm in like my third different city right now since I've graduated college. I love to move. I love to experience new things. And, you know, Bryce Harper has a son on the way right now. And, you know, he's been married for a couple years and he's going to, he's experiencing Philadelphia right now, man. And, you know, Philly's a good city. You know, any city that's huge and has good food, like I'm all about it. So, but so like he writes the letter, dude, he puts it on Instagram and then he's going to the ballpark. So he, he bats third in the lineup and because the Phillies are in DC, the Phillies are up first. So Bryce Harper comes up third in the order. And I thought initially I was like, dude. The Washington Nationals are probably going to play his entrance song, which is that Moby song that he comes out to like 99% of the time. That's his song. So I I was so excited to watch it because I was like, oh, I bet the crowd's going to cheer. And then the Washington Nationals will probably play the song that he comes out to as kind of like a tribute to him. Because right before the game, they had like a five-minute tribute to Bryce Harper which I think fans were booing while the tribute video was happening. And this is what's so, like, cold-blooded about these fans. Like, these Washington Nationals fans are Kano on Mortal Kombat, and they're all about just ripping Bryce Harper's heart out. Because when he was announced, the Washington Nationals did not play his entrance song as, like, a handshake or, like, a head nod or a tribute. No. The PA guy goes, up to bat, Bryce Harper. Like, in the most monotone voice, he's like, up to bat Bryce Harper. Like, dude, just as bland as he could say it. And the crowd, after getting the thank you letter, the emotional, heartfelt thank you letter, booed Bryce Harper mercilessly. Like, no love given at all, man. Like, thank you for coming to DC. Middle finger, get out of here, man. And dude, I mean, that I like it was hardcore boos. And then Max Scherzer strikes him out, I think, on a changeup. And the crowd cheered so loud. They cheered like they had just won a World Series. And the, that's all they wanted was Scherzer to strike him out. And then the second time he bats, Max Scherzer strikes him out again. And the crowd cheers again. Like, they did not give a shit. They did not want any of Bryce Harper's thanks. There were people in the crowds that had, like, Bryce Harper jerseys with, like, Sharpie markers through his name. One person had used, like, masking tape to change the Harper name to Scherzer somehow on the back of his jersey. Like, there's no nostalgic feeling for Bryce Harper. They're like, Ichiro, like, would get cheered when he comes back to Seattle. And every time he ever came back to Seattle. People don't like Bryce Harper. Man, Philly likes Bryce Harper. Nobody else likes Bryce Harper. And, but then uh, the third at bat against Max Scherzer, he did hit a double. Then once Max got taken out of the game, Bryce hit an RBI single. And then Bryce hit a two-run home run and flipped his bat like 10 feet in the air towards the Nationals dugout. So I think by the end of this Nationals-Phillies game, I think at first, first Bryce Harper was feeling super nostalgic and thankful and was just real humble about the situation. But he got booed so much the Nationals fans basically, like I said, ripped his heart out like Mortal Kombat and turned Bryce Harper into a monster because by the time the game was done, he was bat flipping towards the Nationals dugout and just like waving hardcore to the Phillies dugout when he got on second base. And I was just like, that went really bad. Like, that's not what I thought was going to happen, dude. So, I mean, yeah, dude, it was a good game, though. It was the at-bat, dude. If you haven't watched the at-bat, just go to like MLB.com and watch it. It was, honest to God, 
like the best at bat I can remember seeing. By far the best regular season at bat I've seen in years. Because Scherzer and Harper had never faced each other because they've always been teammates, right? Or, yeah, for the most part, I mean, Scherzer came over from the American League. They never faced each other. And it was just like, and, and Max Scherzer, dude, Max Scherzer reminds me of Christian Bale on American Psycho. We're like, you think the guy's nice and he's, you know, he's a good dude, but he'll eat your face in a heartbeat. And like, that's what you get out of Max Scherzer. He is the most violent, destructive starting pitcher in all of Major League Baseball right now. And like Bryce Harper is like sort of like that in a hit or two. Like he's a nice guy, but he'll flip his bat. He'll charge the mound on you like he doesn't really care. And he's like an all or nothing dude. And this was like these two like immovable objects facing each other. And it was a great matchup. Like Scherzer struck out Harper the first two times and Harper got a double off of him. And that's, dude, for the, we're going to see that for years to come. So it's going to be super exciting. Um, oh, crap. But listen, though. I don't know if a lot of people watch the MLB uh, network broadcast of this, but the second time Max Scherzer struck Bryce Harper out, it, they were going to commercial break. And the MLB network immediately plays Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, don't come around here no more. And I started cracking up like immediately like, dude, I could not believe MLB network played that right after he struck him out again. Like, bro, Bryce. Just never come back to D.C. again. It was so cold-blooded. Uh, I'm in the show on this, man. Um, this is Greatest Show on Dirt, your weekly improv episode. No plan was coming to this. I wrote like two lines in a notebook. Josh Hader, dude, Josh Hader pitched an immaculate inning in St. Louis the other day. It was, today's Wednesday, it was Monday. He pitches an immaculate inning on Monday. He throws nine fastballs and gets three strikeouts. The very first fastball he threw was to Tyler O'Neill. And Tyler, Tyler fouled this fastball to the backstop, right? And then it obviously, he threw Tyler O'Neill two more fastballs. Tyler swung through him and then threw the next guys all fastballs and they swung through him. So it's basically like with Josh Hader, he got this immaculate inning off of nine of the exact same pitches, 96 to 97 up in the zone or inside. Like he's not doing anything crazy. And these batters knew what was coming. Coming into that game, he had thrown like, what was it, 30 fastballs? No, 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 shit. Josh Hader, to this point right now, has thrown only fastballs the whole entire season with the exception of I think he th finally threw like a slider yesterday or something like that. But otherwise, coming into that Cardinals immaculate inning, had thrown all fastballs, 30 fastballs in his in his uh, games this season, every fastball. So what happened with these Cardinals hitters is they knew what was coming. These are professional Major League Baseball hitters that know exactly what pitch is going to be thrown at them. And each player saw that pitch twice before they struck out on the third pitch. I'll tell you what, what one of those sorry hitters even close besides Tyler O'Neill's first swing Close to even putting one of those balls in play. He had thrown 30 fastballs, and 22 of them were missed. And I think this was after his immaculate inning. The total was 30 fastballs. He had thrown all season long. And people had made contact 
twice. Twice. Josh Hader's not throwing 105 like Jordan Hicks. People hit Jordan Hicks all the time. He does not have a high strikeout rate. But Josh Hader, dude, has like this crossbody motion, and he's got a, a deceptive delivery, and you don't really see the ball till the last minute, and it's like the ball sort of coming from first base. Like if you're a lefty against Josh Hader, like good luck. But as it turns out, if you're a righty facing Josh Hader, like good luck. Like I don't know what to do, man. Like if you hit off Josh Hader, like go buy a lottery ticket. Like you probably have a better chance of getting struck by lightning or picked up by a tornado or like seeing an alien at Walmart than you do like hitting a Josh Hader fastball. Like if you if I had to hit a Josh Hader fastball, I bet he could throw me a million up and I would never hit one. And I begin to think like that's what this season's going to be like with him. He's by far the most destructive reliever in all of baseball. He's he's simply crazy, man. I remember the first time I really paid attention to him was like three seasons ago. Dude, nobody was talking about him. And I immediately recognized his delivery and his deception. I was like, that guy's going to be good. Like, he's the real deal. And then now after he had his last year, people started talking about him. But it's obvious what he was going to be, man. And if he can get that arm healthy, it's going to be something. But... Um, I mean, I don't think he's really had any health problems, man. So, and he's, he seems to like, uh, I like a guy with a sidearm, like a cross action delivery like that. To me, it's more comfortable. Like if I throw a baseball and I pitch right now, if I throw like that, it's, it's unbelievably comfortable, dude. You know, sort of like that Madison Bumgarner, Chris Sale, Randy Johnson, Josh Hader delivery. And, you know, I think those mechanics are pretty good. So he'll stay healthy, but, um, I do sort of hope that his arm falls off because I want the Cubs to win the division. But right now, it doesn't look like the Cubs are going to win a game anytime soon. So cheers to that. I hope your team's doing better than mine. Um, I'll close it out, dude. We're 45 minutes. Thanks a ton for listening to the show. You know the deal, man. I say this every episode. I've got some stickers left, man. Leave us a review. Do it on Facebook. Do it on Google Play. Do it on iTunes. Leave us a review. Screenshot your review and message it to me. All you got to do is... Leave me a five-star review. Say some nice words. Lie if you have to. I don't give a shit. Please do. I need to be more popular. And screenshot it to me. I will mail you stickers for free. I got stickers right now. I'll mail them out to you for free of charge. You can put them on your car. Put them on your face. Put them on your computer. Put them on your phone. They're big stickers. You can't really do that. But these stickers will make you look cool. Like It's a great logo. My greatest show under it, Baseball Podcast Logo. It's It's excellent. It's um, proportionally just magnificent. It's the Sistine Chapel of podcast logos, right? Not just baseball, but all podcasts in general. It's a pretty big deal. It's it's about as recognizable as the Coca-Cola logo. Um, I don't mean to brag or anything or like toot my own horn, but beep, beep. That's what it is. So take care, guys. I'm out of here. This is Quentin, Greatest Show on Dirt. You listen to the midweek Um improv episode just talking baseball we'll do this thing again dude i'll record again on saturday until then happy baseball and all right guys i'll see you later take care boy